once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 86. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe. Tell a friend. We appreciate everyone who's been tuning in. Check out the entire Soccer OG podcast library. And go over to YouTube and check out the Soccer OG under my name, Max Bretos. Regular videos coming out. I got a new one about the potential big decisions for the September call-ups for the U.S. men's national team. Thanks to everyone listening to my Leeds video. Great performer. You know, we're doing it 5,000 views. It's great. So keep it coming. And we love to have the Leeds supporters in England tune in to some great soccer content. This week, joining me in the business end, Diego Balado of N Univision. Soccer reporter covers Liga MX. MLS, Champions League, everything. One of the great voices in this country, in my estimation. The guy has a photographic memory, and to hear him, the guy never misses a detail. We'll talk about the, getting into the business, staying in the business, and uh, his thoughts on the collaboration between Mexico and the United States. And we'll also talk a little World Cup, and maybe get an idea of how the U.S. and Mexico are going to fare, because he's seen a boatload of the players that will be playing for those two teams. In stoppage time, we will roll up our sleeves and look at the September call-ups. And we'll talk about the dilemma of Joe Scally. This is really, along with John Brooks, driving U.S. fans apart. And we'll tell you why it's probably a bridge too far for him to get in the 2022 World Cup. It's a good show. I'm excited for it. You should be too. Let's get started. Welcome back. We, uh, we we wait for this podcast every week, and we wonder what is the most timely conversations to have. And it changes considerably. We can always look back at the weekend. I hope you watched uh, a ton of football. There was We watch it from an American perspective, and we'll talk about that in stoppage time a little bit. We have the two guys from Leeds. Not a great day for Leeds. Still doing well. He's played a tough game against Brighton. Fulham had a huge result and just seeing Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream do their thing slip through at the end as Arsenal came back at home at the Emirates. So Fulham looks like the real deal. By the way, Mitrovic, what a bully that guy is. Love it. Real Madrid and Barcelona continue to plug away in La Liga. PSG dropped some points for the first time this season. The Serie A, I'm just... I just trying to get into the city a little bit more. We had the Champions League draw last week. And people were talking about some of these City A teams like we were supposed to take them seriously in the Champions League. The group with Bayern and Barcelona and Victoria Pilsen and Inter. And everyone's talking, oh, what a difficult group. And I go, why? Because Inter's in it? To me, it's Bayern and Barcelona. Cruz. It's a it's a it's a big spot for the Serie A, but I, I just haven't been impressed with the players they brought in. I mean, the big moves are Paulo Dybala, which is an intra-league move, and Romelu Lukaku, who comes back kind of with some disappointment. They lost a few players to go abroad, and really, that is one of the huge stories, is the money being spent in the Premier League, and the gap is growing. It is becoming a Super League. Maybe you don't need the Super League. I would love to see a Super League, because I want to see Real Madrid and Barcelona Bayern and PSG and Juventus playing these Premier League teams, but they're getting all, they're hoarding all the talent. And now you know, obviously with Newcastle in there, Manchester United looking to they're going to have to you know probably spend a hundred million for Anthony. But West Ham United, West Ham United, who coming into the weekend were dead last. That's my team, by the way, and they signed Lucas Baqueta for what looks like about sixty million, seventy sixty five when it's all said and done. An incredible talent. A guy who's going to be at the World Cup. Who helped Brazil in the Copa America. He was right there with Neymar. He's that good. And now he's going to West Ham. And West Ham are signing players. And Nottingham Forest are spending a ton of money. And you have, uh, obviously, Newcastle United. Chelsea, man. It's, it's like eight teams now. It's not longer a big four. It's no longer a big six. It's going to be a big eight. And before you know it, it's going to be a big 12. Which is not, sounds like college football. Just so much money. And you can throw money at it. Like West Ham do not have deep pocket Middle Eastern owners. They don't. 
Manchester United keep spending and uh, enough with the Glazers, man. Give it a rest. Take the blame for everything. They had, they, they've responded well. All those people who you know thought they were goners, they've come back with two wins. Very impressive. So chill out. I think they're going to be all right. They'll be, they'll be there for the top four. They'll be competing for a top four spot. Truly believe that. The, uh, the situation with the World Cup also is looming. And I'm freaking out. It's getting so close. It really is. It's creeping up in a big way. The, uh, the kit releases. And I don't like to use the word kit. I try not to follow the lead from uh, the English vernacular. Because it just it sounds like we're trying to c- compensate. But we need to call it our game. I don't try not to use nil. I try not to use match. Try not to use kit, but everyone says it. But it's just a, it's a weird rolling off my off my lips. But um, the kit releases are out. We're still waiting for this U.S. team. We're expecting the jersey. We're expecting the worst with some of the uh, the leaks that have occurred. Adidas came out and killed the competition again. They're the best traditional classic. There was the German one, which is great. The Japanese one. Mexico comes out. Their, their alternate jersey looks just glorious. Glorious. And um, we'll talk to uh, Diego Balado coming up about that. And we'll talk about the Argentina jersey, which came out a bit purple. So uh, that's getting a little pushback as well. But those are from Puma and Nike. I mean, this is a big thing. You want to look good at the World Cup. You want to sell shirts. You want to sell shirts. The World Cup is such a massive competition. You want people to buy them. There was a reversible Japanese top that was fantastic. Speaking of shirts, I'm going to get a Lucas Paqueta West Ham jersey. That's how pumped I am. That's going to look fantastic in my closet. I'm not a big jersey guy. I'm not a big wear them out. I feel a little bit weird, but uh, I certainly will uh, kick the tires on that it's exciting stuff exciting stuff all over the world and we uh congratulations to spain women winning the women's under 20 is that that's the best development in women's game right now the spanish doing well i mean they should have beaten england in the euros and if they beat england maybe they win the whole thing and they're under 20 so the u.s team struggling under 20 this is great news i know as americans go what are you crazy it's great news we need to be pushed Spain's pushing us. England's pushing us. Japan might be back pushing us. As they made a final. Brazil looked good. This is good. Good, good, good. It's, it shouldn't be a walk in the park. And once you get a competitive level, then the women's game goes through the roof because you watch the World Cup and instead of tuning in for one or two teams, you're tuning in six or seven or eight. Great news. Whew. A lot going on. Look, we're going to talk about the U.S. team in the, the the coming up. But, man, there's some alarming developments. Christian, it looks like Christian Pulisic's going to stay. And who knows if he plays. He is a bit player. There was a great opportunity, I think, this weekend for him to play, and he didn't. It was the same trio up front. Raheem Sterling gets his goals. I mean, that's just going to solidify his position. Serginho Dest, uh, Barcelona are trying to jettison him. He doesn't want to go. Um... Tim Way is not playing. So Gio Reyna is not traveling with Dortmund. Troubling. It's troubling stuff. But we should... Uh, there are other There's other bright spots and we'll get into that. But let's get on with the show. This is the Soccer OG Podcast. Rate, review, download, subscribe. We're going to have the business end here with Diego Balado of Tudene. Stick around for stoppage time. We got you covered. I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. I do. I love this. So much fun. Let's go. Welcome back to the Soccer OG. We step into the business and very special guest here today from Tudene Univision. It is Diego Balado. If you have the uh, the ability to watch in Spanish, he is just a, a wonderful breath of fresh air with regards to how he views a game and. Here he is. By the way, Diego, before we get into the football, did you were you able to see any of the new jerseys for the World Cup? Did anything grab your attention? Because I know on Twitter, everyone's talking about what was good, what wasn't good. Did you have an opinion? Well, first of all, thank you, Max, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> and uh, yes, I've been able to see some of the designs, you know, 
little bit controversial. Um, as an Argentinian, I don't like the purple. If, if it's purple, I don't know. Some people say that it, it might not be as purple as it looks on the pictures. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you see it, you can, when you have it in front of you, but I don't like, I don't really like it. Um, but I have fans, you know, Argentinians that say, no, it's an ugly shirt. But then when you see Messi wearing it, they say, oh, no, it's a beautiful jersey. You know, whatever Messi wears is beautiful. Um, but honestly, I, I don't like it. I like the German one, you know, it's, I think it's the same brand of the Argentina one. Um, I don't, I don't really dig the Pumas, you know, with the number in the middle, soccer jerseys, you know, and I saw different national teams. It looks like they're going to go with, with that design for the World Cup. I don't really like it. And, and I like the second, the second jersey for the Mexican team. I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I think it's beautiful. Hopefully they get more than a, they they get more than three games and to show off those jerseys. I think it's really nice too. Uh, and we have this this leak of the U.S. one of what's going to look like, and it it's getting very poor reviews. But we'll see the official rollout, and uh, I, I hope it's good because you want to look good at the World Cup. You want to and uh, the what it was funny what you said about Messi because when I saw the publicity, you could see he's got this big smile on his face with the shirt on, and that kind of goes oh if he's on board with it. Then uh, and then Julian Alvarez is in another photo getting, I think, his haircut, and he's smiling. So uh, it's good. And I'm sure as an Argentinian, if they can make a semifinal in those jerseys, you'll be okay with it or a final. But, but Max, uh, go back to the Messi picture, magnify it, and you see that his head was added to the. I think the, I, mean, the I, no! I don't think he can have that smile. You know, there's something. Especially kind of in the lower part of his beard, you know, when the head connects to the neck, there's something weird going on there. So <laughs> I, I doubted that it was a, a real picture of Messi wearing the jersey. Well, I got some homework to do after we get off here, and I'm going to take a look. And uh, I will I will follow up with you and, and let you know what, what my findings are. But I hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but as a, but I want to talk about, look, I've been listening to the NA for many years and you've been, uh, and I, I've been, we've crossed paths recently and hence I was able to invite you on here. And I saw you at the MLS all-star game and we've had some chats cause I get down the Univision when I call combate. And, uh, for people who listen to Diego, it's, it's, you bring a different level, uh, of analysis. It is, it is more, it's, it's informative for the football fan. And when you, when I hear you talk, I realize this is somebody who's watched a lot of football. And when you did, I told you this when I saw you, when I saw the, um, the LAFC game, you broadcast with Gareth Bale and he scored that goal against Real Salt Lake. You immediately came in and said, that reminded me of a goal when he was at Real Madrid against Mark Bartra. And I was like, I couldn't, I go, that was amazing because I, I can't retain information like that, but I wish I could, which will help me here. <laughs> But, I mean, how much, I mean, just watching football, just get an idea of how much you watch in a week or in your lifetime. Can you can you look back and think of all the games and players you've seen over the years? No, I can't. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> it's a lot, I know though. it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's, some people are probably going to say it's too much, you know, uh, get a life. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> That's what my wife says. But, it, <laughs> but it's, been, it's been a lot. Um I always loved the sport. Um, I, I, I played it, obviously, being Argentinian. The first thing you get is a, a soccer ball when, you know, first present you ever get, and, or a soccer jersey, and they tell you what team you're going to be rooting for. You know, it's like a family thing. It's, it's like a religion. Um, but I always loved watching it. And I think the world changed for me um, because when I was growing up, the only way to really watch your team was going to the stadium, you know? I mean, you have like a highlight show on Sunday nights when they show you with one camera, maybe two the most, you know, um, the, the other games with the goals that were scored in the, in the other games. But at that time, it was basically going to watch your team at the stadium and wait Monday night for the El Grafico. It was the most famous soccer and sports uh, magazine that was coming always 
on Tuesdays, but if you were lucky, you can catch up some of the kiosks where they sell the magazines were open on Monday night. So you're waiting just for out of the press, you know, just get it on, on, on Monday night and you, I would read it like in 45 minutes. Wow. Um, but then when cable, you know, came to the Argentina in the beginning of the nineties, that's when I, you know, before that you were able to catch games from Napoli with Maradona was there from, you know, other big teams, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, but nothing like when cable came and, you know, then you were having the chance of watching not only the teams where the Argentinian or most famous Argentinian players were, uh, but everything. And, and you, you got to be more and more and more. And that's when I said, you know, this is what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I felt it at that moment. I was a teenager and I said, this is what I want to do. And... You know, like in 95, I was already working for ESPN and everything kind of happened like really fast for me since, you know, like when I, I think I watched ESPN for the first time in 91 and four years later, I was like 22 years old and I was already in Bristol, Connecticut working for them. I, well, I followed your, I, I, I followed your lead there shortly thereafter. Well, um, I can visualize a young Diego sitting there in, in Buenos Aires waiting for El Grafico to come out chomping at the bit it's almost i can see it by the way who, who, who which is your club i know you told me this but which is your club my club is san lorenzo san lorenzo you know? and, yeah yeah and uh I, I i was waiting for a long time for them you know it's one of the top five the biggest five clubs in in argentina but um i was waiting to see them being champions in the argentinian league for a long, long time, I was born in '72. In in that year, they both they won both championships that they were play. You know, um, then they won it again in '74 when I was two years old. <laughs> I'm obviously no recollection out of it. If you and did, you have a never... if you did have a recollection, there's a big problem here with your football. If you remember games at two years old, I know, old. I know, I know, yeah. And then and then they never won it again until '95. And uh, the, the funny thing, the funny story that kind of comes kind of full circle, what I was telling you before, is that um, a week before the final game of that 95 season, San Lorenzo was one point behind Gimnasia's Grima La Plata with one game to be played. And San Lorenzo was playing away in Rosario against Rosario Central. And Gimnasia was playing at home against Independiente. San Lorenzo needed for Independiente to beat Gimnasia and San Lorenzo to win away for them to be champions. And I bought the tickets. I was able to get some tickets for the game in Rosario. I have everything ready with my friends to go to that game. We were like three or four, you know, it's like a three hour, four hour drive from Buenos Aires. And the game was on Sunday. On Tuesday, I was working for ESPN in Argentina, they tell me, oh, you're going to Bristol, Connecticut. <laughs> I said, great, you know, I was waiting for that opportunity. When I am going? Oh, you're leaving on Friday. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you have to go. If you want to go, you need to go. But I have to, I mean, Sunday is the chance San Lorenzo can win the league. But my friend, if you want to go, there's millions of people want to have this chance. <laughs> if, if you want to go, you need to go on Friday. So I left on Friday. You didn't I go to the game. Go, and I didn't go to the game, and San Lorenzo won the league. Well, you probably still made the right choice because you got your foot in the door. Obviously. And of yes. course, I did. By the way, you're the third most famous San Lorenzo fan, to my recollection. Number one, obviously, Pope Francis. Number two is Correct. actor Vigo Mortensen, who. I, so Correct. I went. I, I looked through it. I looked through the sport from an Argentine prism. My first thing that I did was cover. Football Argentino for Fox. It was they gave me this league to cover. It was like the league that they gave to while well, everyone was covering Bundesliga and and the Premier League. And I was so thrilled because I would call the Clásico del Domingo on Sunday, and I would listen to Marcelo Arajo, Enrique Macaya Marquez, and then Mariano Clos a little bit later. And I was just blown away the presentation from the Argentine perspective. And uh, I'm so glad I went through that. So I got to see a lot, and I'm always interested to hear about. Football Argentino and the clubs and the history and the inchas, the fans, which it, it, it sets a soundtrack for other leagues. They all imitate what they hear in Argentina, Uruguay, and Brazil and those kind of places. But uh, it was, I actually remember seeing uh, Vigo Mortensen, and one day I ran into him and I went up to him. I spoke in Spanish. I go, Vigo, I don't want to uh, 
forgive me for interrupting. I just wanted to, because I know we didn't want to talk about his movies. So I talked about football and the guy lit up, big smile, and he was wearing a tie. And as I was talking to him, he points to the tie and it was a San Lorenzo club tie. And we talked for 10 minutes about San Lorenzo. And I was like, people are looking at me. Who is this guy talking to Vigo Bordeson? What did they possibly? And I go, if you only knew. Football broke the ice. So uh, I'm very I'm very happy I got to see that from Argentina. It's 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 created a nice foundation for me covering the sport going through. Because I kind of I kind of got into the sport night when I started working like 98, 99. And that's I'd watched the sport beforehand, but I really got immersed into it then. And Argentina was the springboard. I have a funny story with Vigo, uh, too. Uh, I was in the Argentinian airport. I, I met Vigo before, obviously, you know, knowing he was a huge San Lorenzo fan, and obviously I was, too. So he said, like, flight delay. I have two small children, you know, maybe like a, they were like, four and two or three and one, something like that. My wife asked me, please just go and try to get some water for the kids. You know, we're thirsty. The flight is not leaving. The least you can do. Airport is mayhem. For yeah. So I go, okay, you know, I'm gonna go and get the water. I'm 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 walking, I I walk around maybe 50 yards trying to get a place to find a place to buy some water because there's like people everywhere. And I look to my right and I see this guy on the floor, sitting on the floor, you know, resting his back on the wall with his laptop on. And I said, oh my God, that's Vigo. You know? <laughs> so I go to Vigo and I say, Vigo. And he goes, hey, what's up, what are you doing here? You know, obviously, always doing all this in Spanish. And he goes, come here, come here. Look at the pictures I took yesterday. I was in the training, you know, with uh, San Lorenzo oh, training. Okay, so look at the pictures I took on my camera. So I saw, I saw I sat next to him. I forgot them. I had to go and get some water. Okay? <laughs> oh, so no. I'm sitting next to him for like 20 minutes. Okay, 20 minutes talking about soccer, talking about San Lorenzo, planning where we're gonna go back to Argentina for a game or something like that. And then I see my wife coming with the two kids. Oh no! She, she looks evil. Okay, she's <laughs> like looking for me. Where did he go? And then she sees me. And when she saw that I was with Vigo, you know, she kind of say, "Oh, okay, it's Vigo." You know nominated oscar nominated actor you know he, he you know it's okay you know i hi vigo how are you you know and I, I introduced her to him but that was the funny story i have with him you know i met him obviously after that we, we both went for the copa libertadores final to buenos aires just for one day you know things like that but you know it's, he's a, he's a it's, proper it's fan football, you know what yeah oh yeah he, he's crazy for yeah Lorenzo. but that's amazing because i mean everyone knows who he is and but so many good movies, and you forget he has this Latin sensibility. He spent grew up in Argentina, and I, I, that's when I first knew. Him. I was watching Carlitos Way, and he plays that role with a guy in the wheelchair, and he's like, "Look at yeah. me, Carlitos!" And I go, "This yeah, guy yeah. is really playing the Latino well." I wonder how he did it, and then I find out that he's been immersed. He he grew up. He grew. He's one of us. So that was very I, cool. And of course, Diego, I knew I, you you I would one up me with nobody, a D. I, nobody. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that was that was when he, nobody really knew him, you know. After yeah. the Lord of the Rings, then he became a superstar. Sure, but I figured you would one up me with the Vigo. You you have the most incredible stories with celebrities and running, which tells me that you you're you're, you're you approach them <laughs> in a very nice way because they give you great information. Uh, but that's what, by the way, I, I, I want to talk some football, but I always ask this with people because I think it's nice because I know some people that are getting into the business uh, would listen to these conversations. But do you? What advice would you give to somebody who is starting like we were uh, to get into this business? Is there something that sticks out about what what is a good way to approach it? And we know it's a very tough business to get into, even more so now than maybe 20 years ago. Correct, correct. But there's more, you know, it has diversified a lot. So yeah. you, now you have a, a lot more outlets. And I know it's difficult. There's a lot of more people that, that, that want to do it. But also you have a lot of more media, you have all the social media, you know, you can have like this, your podcast, your own channel, sure. you know, it, sure. it, it changed a lot, the business, especially the digital part you know, over the last 10 years, probably, or even less. And it keeps, you know, evolving, you know, it keeps changing. But the, I think the best advice I can, and I can give somebody and a lot of people, you know, through the years ask me uh, about this, is what my dad you know, the same advice that my dad told me when I was starting, and it was, don't wait for the opportunity, you know, just look for it, 
You know, yeah. don't wait. Nobody's yeah. gonna come and knock on the door on your house and tell, "Hey, do you want to be a reporter for ESPN or <laughs> do you want to come and work for Fox?" No, you have to go and do it. And, you know, knock on their doors, give them an opportunity to show him what you can do. But get ready, prepare yourself, you know, pay to see what happens. You know, just be professional in that way. But don't wait for somebody to come and get you. Just you need to go. You need to chase it. You need to go and do it. By the way, there are people that think that there are someone's going to knock on their door and say, do you want to be a reporter for ESPN? I know because I've had these conversations. I go, it doesn't work that way. So you got great advice. Your dad just seems like a smart He's got a really good head on his shoulders. So uh, good advice to his son. And obviously his son followed it, but you got to make those relationships. Uh, let's talk some football, but um, we actually did. Last I saw you, MLS All-Star game, MLS Liga MX. Um, it, it was a fun game. It's I, I've enjoyed those two uh, additions much more than any All-Star game prior. I was on the sideline and you could see the league MX all-stars yelling at the referee. They were into it. They didn't want to lose because they were playing for the badge. Same for MLS. Uh, it's going to, it's, it's be one of the better MLS, one of the better all-star formats in any major sport of which the United States is really the sole uh, outlet for them. Uh, now maybe Mexico does more all-star games because they saw it, but uh there's a there's a relationship brewing there, and we have the League's Cup coming up, and that was you know this new MLS deal with, um, and you call a lot of MLS with Tudena, and now it's moving to Apple TV. We'll see what 2023 looks like for Tudena and other channels. Great number, I think, it was like 1.2 million saw the All Star game on Tudena, so more people are watching MLS and Español. I think it's a big, it's it's the the biggest opportunity because you already have a built in fan base in, in the Latinos, the Mexican community here in the United States that watch these games. And they have a reason to watch MLS. You have Chicharito and Carlos Vela and Alan Polido. But what are your thoughts about that relationship? I think it's great, but I, the more I think about it, I, I feel like MLS is in a better position of power because uh, we saw Mikel Ariola on the week during that week talking about, you know, hey, we need MLS. We need to follow what they're doing. We need to find out why they're sending so many young players to the Europe and why our league should be able to do that. And there's investment here in the U.S. that League MX wants to plug into. It seems like it's a win-win for everyone, but I still want to see how it rolls out, what that League's Cup looks like. The uh, Club America LAFC game at SoFi Stadium was a, a massive hit. I don't know if they're all going to look like that, but um, it's, it's, it's a moment here for the league. So, I'm excited about it. I would. I'm curious to see how 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 quickly MLS improves because I think that they could also benefit from getting some wins like the Sounders did in the Concacaf Champions League. That helps MLS, and it's an immediate it's an immediate opportunity to do that. But who do you think it benefits? How do you think it, it plays out? Is it is it something that could be sustainable? It can be sustainable. Um, I think it, we're going to see how it's going to play out. You know, um, we can speculate a lot about it, but we don't really know until it happens. I think it's huge for Seattle to show that they can compete, uh, winning the, the Champions League a, a few months back. Um, after so many tries, you know, so they were so close before, that, but they, they couldn't do it. Um but the League's Cup is it's going to be interesting, you know, because they're going to be some massive games, but then you might end having like a, a Mazatlan against New England Revolution. And <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to care about that kind of game. You know, unfortunately, it is like that. Um, but uh, obviously, from the business side of it, is um, I think it's, it's normal. If I was in the position... Uh, as being one of the, the the people making decisions in Liga MX, I will follow the the model here. You know, everything is being growing uh, from fans base, you know, attendance, new stadiums, new training facilities, uh, getting better players, selling those players. So some of the players are brought from the academies to Europe, you know, and, and Mexico is not doing that. So I, I would like to know how. What is the formula? How to follow it? Obviously, it's gonna be. It has some some challenges too because you, you don't have the same, I think, mentality in, in in the people. 
but I think it's going to be interesting. Level-wise, in, in, in what you see on the pitch, I mean, I still think that most of the Liga MX teams are better than the average MLS team right now. I mean, you still, obviously, you have some MLS teams that can compete with the, you know, the, the best Liga MX teams too. But overall, I think the Liga MX is still a little bit better for now. You know, it, it yeah. probably is going to change yeah. in between, you know, three, five years. Uh, that's going to change too, because a lot of the players that today are going to Liga MX are going to keep coming to Major League Soccer. So it's going to be very competitive. And I don't know if ideally, maybe one day they're going to have not only the League Cup, but maybe we'll have a more integrated, you know, championship or a league between the, the, the two nations, you know? And I think from MLS, you always wish this day would come and it's here and you have a, a real viable partner and you can, you can connect to that fan base in Mexico. And maybe in Mexico, they start finding their favorite MLS team. You know, maybe they, they start watching a little bit more, which is huge. Like in can... another sports, Max, you know, if you go to Mexico, the, most of the Mexicans have a favorite NFL team, yep. a favorite baseball team. Uh, so it can, it can happen in football, maybe not to that level. Uh, but it can happen. Some team, you know, that uh, most of the Mexicans that live in the United States have an MLS team, and also they have their team in Mexico they cheer for. It, it's it really is good. And by the way, I know Mikel Ariola also looked at the investment that's been made with all the new ownership groups. There's millions and millions of dollars going to MLS, which hasn't gone into League MX, but they're not having expansion teams, so it's a it's a unique moment in time. And I think the the expansion will stop. I hope. I mean, you can have so many teams. I think thirty two. Oh. It's getting, it's getting, it will, will. but you know, that's a first step. And then it opens the door to, you know, a lot of people because Europe is doing great. Europe has the champions league and it's the top club competition and Libertadores is fantastic, but it could, you have a possibility where it could expand, where it could include Liga MX and MLS teams, which has a huge dollar sign attached. A lot of people hope they could do that. Maybe, with the European Championships doing so well, it's almost at a World Cup level. What do the Americas do? It would make sense that you'd have a combined Copa America and Gold Cup. I would love to see it. Everyone feels like there's that's the trajectory, but I don't know if it ever happens again where MLS and Liga MX teams play in the Libertadores or whatever they call it, or whatever they might call it. Maybe it's a new combined tournament. Uh, you know, the Brazilian League's amazing right now, and the Argentine League has the history and still has all these great players, and you have some improvements in, like, Ecuador. Do you think we could ever get to that point? Because I always wonder if, if this Americas can compete with Europe on the national team level and the club level, that would do it. Although, at this point, it seems so far away. I wouldn't even imagine that conversation's been had. But maybe by necessity one day, South America, North America, make that connection. Is that possible? They did it back in the day. Could it happen again? It could happen again. It could happen again. I think the biggest hurdle for uh, having an integrated Copa Libertadores in all the Americas is the distances, you know, yeah. the travel, you know, between, you know, if you have a team from Chile playing the Seattle Sounders, you know, it, it will take forever. <laughs> to get what is there. that? That's uh, about a 12-hour flight, right? It's direct. Uh, yeah, They're probably yeah, connecting. Yeah. Even for the Mexican teams, you know, I, I, I have a lot of, you know, players that I know that when the Mexican teams were playing in the Libertadores or the Copa Sudamericana and some of the traveling was crazy, um, you know, that they will have to fly from Mexico to Panama, from Panama to Paraguay, and then from Paraguay in Asuncion, take a bus to, or, or, or fly to Argentina and then cross the border to Paraguay on a bus. Um, so it, it would take him 24 hours to get from one place to the next one. So That's a lot. Um, that's not going to happen in Europe, you know, you right. know the, the, the most that you can fly, it, it was flying to Azerbaijan, you know, to, to play in the Champions League or, or, you know, I think Atletico Madrid had to do the, the longest trip from, from Madrid to Baku um, for the game or, or something like that. And it was like a five hour, you know, flight, uh, what is crossing, you know, this country um, from LA to Miami. So uh, I think this, I mean, I think, um, that's the biggest uh, challenge. It's a big they, one too. It's a big one. Too. Yeah, I, I don't know how they, they would you know overcome that, but I like the idea of having a Gold Cup and a Copa America together. You know, Copa America Centenario was a little bit of it in 2016. Oh, it was great. It, it was a it was great. It was a great success. 
I think that the United States is the ideal country to, to have a summer competition like that with all the South American teams and national teams coming and competing in that integrated tournament. But I think that's as far as it's going to go. I don't think, I don't see Comebol and CONCACAF getting together. For the CONCACAF teams, it's not good business to go in a World Cup qualifier with South America at all. Um, because if, if already you see some uh, difficulties from, you know, United States in the last World Cup, from Mexico too, in some prior World Cups too, uh, you know how tough it is to get uh, sometimes to go through the World Cup qualifiers. I don't think that for them it's, it's good business um, from the competitive level to go to have the same World Cup qualifications for South America because they might not make it. Yeah. So I don't, I, but I, I would like the idea of a combined summer tournament every two years with, you know, the CONCACAF and Commonwealth together. Yeah. And I know it'd be so good for USA and Mexico to get those games. Because it's so hard to get good games. It's great that Canada has come along to give USA and Mexico another good opponent here in the region. But with the Nations League, it's going to be harder and harder to get opponents yeah, against top 20 it. teams or, or whatever. I don't you. see it. I don't see it coming. You know, with the yeah. Nations League, I don't know if, if, if Comeball, I think already they're having it in the, in the oven, you know, thinking about having a kind of a Nations League between South America and, and Europe or, or some tournament like that. I know they want to do it, but again, that's going to have to be played over the summers because you cannot have it during the year. Or you can, you know, some countries like Brazil, Argentina, they can do because all their national team players are in Europe already. So they just need to play the games in Europe. But I see that maybe happening faster than anything else between Comeball and and. And Concacaf. Well, it's a it's it's a starting point. So I, I agree. I, I agree. I know when the Nations League came up and you had Argentina and Brazil playing some European teams, a lot of people were like myself were discouraged that hey, that's smart for Argentina and Brazil to go play these European teams, and it, it just they're going to the strength. So so be it. Um, you brought up you know we talk about USA and Mexico, and obviously you get to cover a lot of these players, uh, not only when you cover MLS, League MX, but also in the champions league and where we are like three months away from the world cup usa mexico canada costa rica the conca the concacaf teams in there do you do you see the this being successful for the concacaf teams is there a country that perhaps has the uh an upper hand to do well when you look at the draws or when you look at the players obviously that news with uh uh decatito coming out is is, is brutal for mexico but it still is Mexico, and they always find a way. And then the U.S. I, I was I was happy when I saw them play Uruguay and Morocco because it look they look comfortable against these top global teams outside of Concacaf when they struggle against a lot of the Concacaf teams. But how do how do you think it fares for USA Mexico and these Concacaf teams in Qatar? Well, I think U.S. and Mexico. I see both of them having the same kind of chance of going, you know, to the to the next round. Um, obviously, they have Argentina and England on their groups, and that's going to be the tough team. But that, that's the, the kind of game that you can lose and still go through. And, and we saw Mexico beating Germany in, in Russia. So it can happen. It's a World Cup, you know, and anything can happen in a World Cup. Um, but they obviously, you know, Mexico has to concentrate in the game against Poland. And the U.S., I think they won against Wales, you know, because that's when you win or, or lose, at least in, in the in paper, you know, three months away. That's when you, you basically pay for your chance to be in the next round. But they both can do it. I'm, I'm highly, you know, uh, surprised. But at the same time, I was entertained by Canada from, since the Gold Cup until all the World Cup qualifiers, the way they grew as a group, as a national team. Uh since forever, I've been always, you know, asking myself why Canada cannot do it, you know, and finally they did it, you know, they have a strong team, but I think for them, the price is already being part of the World Cup. I, I don't know how they're going to do it, you know, at the World Cup, you know, because it's going to be a new experience for all of them. Um, and Costa Rica has an old team, so, you know, <laughs> it's like basically the last dance uh, for them. So but they have the, a great World Cup in in Brazil. So but I, I see I see them being too old for this World Cup. Yeah, 
and they're with Spain, Germany, Japan, uh, Canada's with Belgium, Morocco, Croatia. And it's a great point you make because everyone gets caught up with USA, England and Mexico, Argentina, but it is that, that Poland game for Mexico, that Wales game. And I don't want to diminish Iran because they, I think they'll have a say in it too, but that's the game that, that, that first game, for instance, for the U S if you win that game, you're, I'm pretty sure you're going to make the uh, round of 16 um, because you can manage it there with England and the Iranian results, but that's it. We're all going to be excited about England, but that Wales game, I, I I've told people that's the most important and Mexico with Saudi Arabia, a game they pro- you probably should get a result. Although, you know, this is a middle Eastern world cup. We'll see how they do with what appears it will be a, a home field advantage, even though it's hard to get, we don't even know what it's going to look like. I mean, I don't know. No, that's that's know. why I'm excited about the world cup there. I mean, people are like, Oh, Qatar, let's get it over with. I go, yeah, but it's, there's so many variables that we don't know how these teams will play in a, a situation where it's so congested and uh, it makes it impossible to make, because I, mean, I think of South Korea, Japan, and granted that was a more expansive world cup, but all the surprises that happened in that, competition because it was out of Europe or South America. It was, um, it provided, you know, South Africa too, and to a lesser degree, that world cup. So I I'm, I'm expecting a wild ride. Obviously the, the cream rises to the top. So, uh, is there, I know, I know Argentina, I, I, that's the number one story if Argentina could win it because I probably the, it, probably the last world cup for Messi and this beautiful team that Scaloni's put around him that functions with Messi as a part of the team, not where it's messy and the rest of the team, messy and 10 more, but uh, th- that'd be the top story. But um, w- when they does smoke clears, who do you think will be at the end? Maybe not a country, but do you think it will be the old guard, the teams that have won it before? Or is this a time where maybe someone gets in there that we, we didn't expect? Um, it might happen. You know, I mean, we had Croatia doing that in the world cup, but, Honestly, right now, I think um, Brazil, Argentina, France, uh, maybe England, and some other team, you know, it could be Belgium, it can be, I don't know. I, I see Denmark maybe being the Croatia yeah. of 2018, because the way they've been playing, they have the great Euro, they have a great World Cup qualifiers. It's a team that... You know, he's been playing at a top level for, for a few years now. So they, they could be the surprise of the World Cup. But I see the old guard, you know, dominating again. You know, Brazil has been playing uh, together with Tite for a while and they have so many players. Right? It's going to be difficult it's... for him to take 26 to the World Cup because there, there's like 40 or 50 players that can easily be in, in this national team. Um, and... Uh, Argentina has what they never had before for Messi. That is a team around him. You know, when, you know, at this point in his career, especially, you don't need to get him the ball. You know, he has to come back and get the ball 60 yards, 70 yards away from the the goal. You know, he can get it in an area where he doesn't have to get tired to get the ball and he can do the damage there. And we saw that in the Copa America that they won in, in Maracanã Stadium against Brazil. So... Uh, I, I, I was talking not a long time ago with the Argentinian media and um, with one of my mentors, that is Victor Hugo Morales, um, one of the best play-by-play, especially on the radio, that Argentina ever had, even though he's from Uruguay. And I was telling him, I, I wish the World Cup was during the summer because the way, I mean, I'm afraid that Argentina is going to lose some of the momentum going into you know lose a player going into the world cup in in uh, three months because if it wasn't in the summer obviously it's the first time i really feel that argentina can won the the tournament even though they lost the final in 2014 i see this as being a much better team than that one yeah i agree i tend to agree with you and uh, it's it's amazing some of these teams are so good the brazil so many players there are just amazing that couldn't even get a sniff for that national team. Even the French, you know, Alain Saint-Maximin, who plays for Newcastle, has this yeah. great goal. He's an amazing player, and he's never been capped for the senior French team. So uh, That's crazy. It's That's crazy. crazy. It's absolutely – that guy could start for 30 of the 32 teams probably, but he can't because he's French. Yeah. And in Brazil, <laughs> you have Vinicius, you have Neymar, you have Rafinha, you have Anthony. Uh, 
no, there's no room for all of them. You can't yeah, so them all. Who are you going to play? You can put them all. And, and are you going to play with a nine? Are you going to have, you know, or you're going to play, you know, you have to find a formula. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know. I don't want to be, I mean, I want to be Tite, but I don't want to be Tite at the same time because <laughs> you can make a mistake because choosing between Rafinha or because Neymar has to play. He's, yeah. he, he's not going to bench Neymar. So you're going to have two other spots on, on the attack. And you have like 10 players for those two spots. So I don't know, because you can choose the wrong combination and then that can cost you the World Cup. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. But we shall see. Uh, I looked at the, I did a, a, a fake bracket and I have Argentina and Brazil winning their groups. And if they win their groups, they could meet in a semifinal, which is almost, right. I think it's almost better than making them a final because you have Argentina, Brazil. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And then you'd have this other semi, which would feel like two finals probably. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. If Argentina wins, Diego, you'll have to get one of those purple jerseys and uh, <laughs> we'll just deal with it now. I'm going to check about that shop, the uh, Photoshop and see if it is Lionel Messi. I hope you're wrong, but I, I'm afraid you're right. And uh, I, I just want to thank you for joining, man. This was an awesome conversation. You people could you're one of those guys you could hear talk for hours and you can get smarter with the sport which is very valuable for me and certainly for the audience here that tunes in as well so appreciate you joining me here in the business san diego and uh hopefully uh, hopefully we can do it again soon hopefully hopefully i had a lot of fun too max so uh, call me anytime we always find some time to to talk about football you know the, like i said it's, it's a fever i would never stop talking about it's soccer. amazing I, it, yeah it's got a hook on me we'll do it with over over a little wine or beer next time and some and maybe a nice asada and we'll we'll take it from there <laughs> that would be even longer podcast. yeah no good good we'll, we'll lengthen it diego malado joining me that's in the business that we'll be back with stoppage time to put a, a look at what the u.s players are doing ahead of that september call-up which is coming up very very soon Okay, well, let's uh, let's talk about September's because we have uh, two, the final two build-up games for everybody. The United States plays September 23rd against Japan, September 27th against Saudi Arabia. The games are in Germany and Spain. Whatever that does, I, the opponents are good. I think the Middle Eastern teams are going to have a good World Cup because you have, they're hosting it. So um, a good look. You have Iran in your group. This is good. Japan was around a 16 team. They got some really good players uh, coming through. By the way, have you seen the Kyogo Furuhashi at Chelsea? This guy, I mean, Chelsea Celtic. Oh, man. There's some good ones. Uh, the kid who plays at Freiburg, whose name escapes me. They call him the Japanese Messi. Japan's good. So that's I'm, I'm excited about that game. And that's a team that just does better, usually qualifies for every World Cup and does pretty well. So the Middle East, the, I mean, it's just going to be a fun World Cup. But what about the United States? We're still a few weeks away from that. What is it going to look like for Greg Berhalter? I think it's going to look pretty standard. Uh, he could have 26, up to 26 players on the roster. I think he's probably identified 23, 24. He wants to kick the tires on a couple guys. Who are those guys? It's going to be the same three goalkeepers. The question of who plays, that's a little bit alarming, right? Who gets the nod? Because... Zach Steffen looks like he's out of favor at Middlesbrough. Matt Turner's not playing at Arsenal, and he's not the way Arsenal's going. He's not going to play anything but cup games at this point, uh, barring something for Aaron Ramsdale. But his form is good. They're on top of the ladder, and uh, Ethan Horvath and or Sean Johnson. Horvath's having a nice little run there at Luton Town. It turned out to be a smart move from him. Maybe defensively, it's solid central defenders. You have Walker Zimmerman. Aaron Long, don't roll your eyes. Don't roll your eyes. Chris Richards, healthy, playing some minutes for Crystal Palace, who've been a really nice story in uh, the Premier League. James Sands now coming into view. That's a great development, no? A versatile player playing big games. He's going to be playing in the Champions League for Rangers. That's good. So he's a guy who could probably slip into the mix as a result of these September games. Fullback. Serginho Dest, what's going on? Uh, he wants to be at Barcelona. They're trying to push him. He should leave. Anthony Robinson, spectacular. Best player this week of any American internationals, IMO. 
the cover. Reggie Cannon has been there. DeAndre Yellen, he's not going to jettison these guys. He's not. They build in there. Maybe Shaq Moore as well. And then there's Joe Scally. And um, he got to play against Bayern Munich this weekend. What an, what an accomplishment playing every game for Borussia Mönchengladbach to start the season. Borussia Mönchengladbach on their way to beating Bayern. And Joe Scally was on the field the whole time. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, just to think about it, this is something you couldn't even dream of. A teenage American playing for a Bundesliga team against the best team in Germany and beating them. So, in the end, it ended 1-1. Still a great result. Everyone on Twitter, Joe Scally's played against Bayern. Put him in the team. He shouldn't be judged in one game against with the U.S. national team. As terrible as he looked. He looked bad. He looked really bad uh, against Uruguay. Should he have been brought in sooner? I think so. Unfortunately, time is not on his side. But people are saying, because you played against Bayern Munich, you should automatically get called in. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is still performance-based. And then people would say, he was solid. I go, okay, I watched it a little bit. He was solid. He was busy. He's, he's marking Sadio Mane and, you know, these top-tier guys. So uh, I looked at the game Monday morning. Because I figured I was going to talk about this. And anybody that tells me that Joe Scally had a good game uh, will lose this argument. Will lose this argument. He did not. I don't want to pick on Joe Scally. I just want to be realistic about the World Cup. And I don't want to use too much energy on someone that you're not going to bring in a young player. Remember, this is the youngest U.S. men's national team as is. The youngest, the youngest team at the World Cup. So should you keep getting younger? No. No one else is. It's an old man's game. Players are in their last run, you know? Antoine Griezmann and Luis Suarez and uh, Lionel Messi, guys in their mid-30s, they're still going. You incorporate young players. If you have good young players, fantastic. You have France and Brazil, none of these young players are getting in there. U.S. is already young enough. We've dedicated to youth, but you don't have to go overboard. You want to limit the amount of inexperienced players, especially guys who haven't been incorporated into too many camps like Joe Scally. But getting back to the performance... Yes, they tied Bayern Munich, but the onslaught was pretty frightening. 33 shots for Bayern, which is the most they've had this season, more than nine more than any other game. 33 shots, 20 on target. That means the back line was getting shelled. Uh, Jan Sommer, the uh, Mönchengladbach keeper, had a Bundesliga record for saves. For 19 saves. So if we're celebrating anybody on the back line of Mönchengladbach, then we should celebrate the back line for the U.S. men's national team when Tim Howard made all those saves against Belgium. But you can't. That wasn't a good reflection off the back line. And I saw Joe Scally. I mean, I, it, I was scared. I mean, they were getting behind him a lot. He turned the ball over a lot. They tried to help him a lot on Mönchengladbach. It, it, was a, it wasn't good. Again, it's Bayern, and that's that's great. But don't tell me you get in there because you played Bayern. You still have to perform. And he's played all these games for the Bundesliga, which is tremendous. But is it good enough to redo everything you've done? Now, the Sergio Dest situation brings him into play, but I think Dest still starts for the U.S., even if he doesn't get games for Bayern. I can't imagine that changing. He's, a, he's also such a dynamic player that we don't have anyone like him. So there's the fullback situation. Um, James Sa uh, James Sands. Um, Sam Vines certainly warrants a look. I don't think he'll get it. He's played every game for Royal Antwerp, first place in Belgium. He played some uh, Europa Conference League games. It's good. Midfield, rock solid. Musa had an incredible goal that was disallowed, which just infuriates me because it was in the buildup. It was just infuriating what VAR is doing to this. VAR, I get it, but man, sometimes it just gets it wrong. And it takes away this, this magical moment for this young man. But Musa, Adams, McKinney, Weston McKinney's back in there. The cover of Kellen Acosta and... Luca Delatore, Luca's not playing a lot, but he's still in Spain. He's earned that spot for uh, the United States national team. Chris Rold Christian Roldan is out, so 
what happens for his spot, possibly. Malik Tillman. Uh, James Sands could be coming in as a midfielder, right? He could play that midfield. So that's why he's so viable. I think he's in. Attackers. Uh, for September camp, they might bring 9, 10, 11 forwards. The pecking order for the strikers is interesting, right? You have the wingers. Brendan Aronson, Christian Pulisic. Uh, Gio Reyna, do you bring him in? He's not traveling with Borussia Dortmund. So this is... Uh, by the way, I want to. I forgot to say one more thing about Joe Scali. Borussia Mönchengladbach campaigning for him on social media. That's a bit odd, okay? They did a, a, a tweet and it just was... It was just odd. I, it's a nice gesture, I guess, but... And they did it with a, one of those memes, which was weird. Back to the forwards. Gio Reyna gets in there because he needs a boost of confidence. Uh, and then what? The, the number nine. It's Jesus Ferreira right now. I believe Josh Sargent has a chance to be the starting number nine for that Wales game. Scoring goals regularly now. I think five goals or four goals for Norwich. Game winner this weekend against Sunderland. He's uh, playing that number nine doing a beautiful job. It's just clicking. And you always hoped it would happen, thought it would happen, and it is happening. So fantastic on that front. Who else? You got Jordan Pifak, you have Haji, right? You have Brandon Vasquez. Brandon Vasquez has earned it too. But for a guy who hasn't been called up at all, now you're competing with Mexico for him. Maybe you bring him in for that. How do you, how do you sell him jumping a PFOC, a Haji Wright, who'd been called up recently and have played well, if not better than Brandon Vasquez. I don't think he can. It's a tough one. I don't think Vasquez gets in there. Unless you get a, an expanded roster, he gets in there, but he doesn't see the field in these two games. I think it would be Ferreira, Sargent on his back wheel, Haji Wright, then uh, Jordan Peefock, and then Vasquez. We need guys to score, but something's coming to view. Goalkeeper is a bit of a, 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 a worrisome situation, but the forwards is getting better. Sands has been a tremendous development. And there you have it. So those are the three guys that maybe get in there. Sands and uh, Tillman, maybe, and Pifak, a uh, part of me, uh, Sergeant, maybe right. And that's the bit. Those are the last few spots. And now we get ready. And let's get ready for the World Cup. Let's stop worrying about the fringe players. Let's start worrying about our starting 11. Because let me tell you, that first game against Wales, it's September. We're three months away. That first game against Wales is the most important game. Forget about England. You win that Wales game, you're making the round of 16. I can almost guarantee it. You're going to make the round of 16. Wales is thinking the same thing. That's the one that performs. You know, that's the one. We talked about it, Diego. Same thing with Mexico. Focus on that Poland game. You know, maybe get a result against Argentina. Maybe the U.S. gets one against England. Maybe you win Wales, you get tie. You got four points the first team. You're going to the round of 16. You might even win the group. But let's focus on that. It, overall, it's pretty good about the U.S. situation. Oh, Cameron Carter-Vickers. I'm sorry, I forgot about him. And Chelsea... And Rangers have their old firm game coming this weekend. You'll have three Americans on display. Uh, great reason to tune in at the SPL. Cameron Carter's Vickers, his numbers were through the roof. So he should also be in there. Dun uh, they beat Dundee United Celtic 9-zip. So um, very good. We, we just need Dest, Pulisic, Reyna. That's the, that's the and, and Weya. That's the quote. What happens there with these guys? Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube. I'll talk about this a lot more on that platform under my name, Max Bretos. Check out the Soccer OG podcasts in the library. Appreciate all of you. We're going to keep it going. We're going to have a very special U.S. Open Cup final preview on the next podcast, and we're off and running. I'm going camping this weekend. I'm going to Kings Canyon and the Sequoias to decompress a little bit and then we're we're thrusting forward soccer og thank you for the support until we meet again placido domingo <laughs>